you this morning. My wife and my daughter, the rest of my household, the furry and the furry kind, are all heading back to Oklahoma City to stay with my sister-in-law during during all this. Um, so they should make it back this evening. So y'all keep them in your prayers as they travel. So uh, let's remember Sister Tammy and John Michael and their family. Uh, let's remember Priscilla and Roger as they're going to be traveling to be with us next week. Am I am I off in my weeks? Okay. Anything's possible these days for me to be off in my in my thinking with that. So um, let's remember Joe as he has his surgery coming up this this next week, and be with the doctors and the nurses and his family, his kids as they travel to come be here to be with him. Uh, week from Monday. Week, week from Monday. From week from tomorrow. So we're praying, praying for that, as well as continue to pray for spiritual growth for our church and for all the things that are going on uh, with the parsonage. We just pray over those things. The Lord provides the way for us. We just have to have the faith and lean on Him to do those things. Like you remember, Barb. Barb, okay, She's Sister Barb. This morning. Okay. Got, I think she got the virus that I had. Oh no. And uh, her joints are hurting. Let's remember Sister Barbara. Remember you and remember Sister Andy. Y'all minister to Sister Barbara while she's sick. Any other other prayer requests this morning? If not, Don Greer. Okay. Let's remember Don. Anyone else? I'd like us to remember Wayne and Shirley's. I think Shirley's tests that she's going through. Yes, for Sister Shirley as well. Amen. Absolutely. Remember you and your tests, and remember you and your knees, Brother Wayne. The Lord will give you some comfort with your knees. Anything else this morning? not let's go to the lord in word of prayer again and uh brother uh dennis would you release some word of prayer please for us Well, this morning, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. Brother Ed kind of tapped all over, tap danced all over my topic this morning too, so that's okay. What does the scripture say? All things work together for good for them that love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. So, Hebrews chapter 6, just a few few verses. We kind of read over this last week. But he says there in verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washing and of laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. 
And this we shall do if God permits. So just a, a reminder to us that as we learn and as we we lean on the Lord for understanding that we would leave those those elementary teachings behind and press on towards maturity in our faith. He says there, laying, not laying a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction of washing of hands and uh, washing of laying on of hands and the resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. So let us press on. Let us move on to those things. Let us press on in our faith. That is what we are called to do in our service to the Lord. Even when times get difficult, who is it that we can rely on in this world that provides what our Lord provides for us? No one. No earthly power, no person, no entity. But through Christ, we have such bold access to Him. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 19, we're familiar with this passage of scriptures, and but it's good for us to read it and to consider what the words are saying here from the brother that wrote this book. Of course, we don't know who wrote it, but I have confidence it came from the Lord. So, started there in verse 19. It says, Since therefore, brethren, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together as it is habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. He says, For if we go on sinning willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice of sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment. And the fury of the fire of which consumes the adversary. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without the mercy of te or testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe a punishment do those who deserve the who have trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant which sanctified and insulted the Spirit of grace? I won't read any further there. The purpose and intent of that was those first, particularly those first uh, verse 19 through 25. What's the instruction there? What's the teaching there? He says we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. That's whom we rely upon, isn't it? The sacrifice of the one and only Son of God. And through his sacrifice of his flesh, we have been able to access the new and living way. And we have a high priest over us who deals with such things, who goes and offers sacrifice for him, of himself for our sins and for our opportunity to serve God. Then he encourages us here, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of the faith. Full heart. Having our hearts sprinkled clean of an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Entering through baptism, we have access to the one and only renewable source that this world has ever has access to. So let us draw near to Christ. Let us draw near with our faith, being assured of this, that Christ provides what we need. Holding fast the confession of our hope without wavering, what's he saying? Don't turn loose of it. Hang on to it. Though the world and, and the things that we, we, we happen through may try to shake our faith. So let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. But we're all we have in this world is one another. And through our strengthening and our holding fast in our faith, we can help one another through those difficulties that we face, regardless of the outcome. This life passes away. The scripture tells us that. It's not enduring. We can't carry anything with us. But he does tell us to make the most of our time while we're here. For whose purpose? For his. For his honor and glory. it's our faith let us hold fast to that confession of our faith because Jesus has died for that opportunity of whom we should trust because we have the accounting of the scriptures and we have the evidence of the faith of those that we see that exercise that faith right let's look at Psalm 55 Psalm 55. Just the last two verses of this psalm. It says, Cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. But thou, O God, wilt bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out their days, but I will trust in thee. That's pretty dark there, Brother Tyler. Well, it paints a pretty, pretty... Interesting picture, doesn't it? He was talking about praying for the destruction of the treacherous. Those people that do things in a manner which are deceitful and cause harm to the Lord's people. But whom is it that deals with those? It's the Lord. It's not us. Why do you think the scripture talks about vengeance is mine and I will repay? Place our trust and our faith in him he takes care of those things. Let him handle that. But he tells us here, cast our burdens upon him. Because he is the one that sustains us by our faith. Says he will never let the righteous be shaken. Does that mean that they're going to be think that there's it's going to be all a bed of roses? No. No, it isn't. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You think the disciples had a flowery bed of ease to go with go with Jesus? They left their families, spouses, probably children, probably all other things. They 
left them and went and followed the Lord. But they did it for the purpose of God's glory and honor. He says, he says there, those that bring, he says, we'll, we'll bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out their li uh, live out half their days. But I will trust in thee. He said, despite all this, he says, these men that don't trust and that, that cause these problems, he says, they're not going to see half the time that they're allotted, right? Because of the problems they bring. But he says, I will trust in thee because he knew the Lord would provide deliverance for him. Let's look at Psalm 56 there, just down that next couple verses. It says, Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. Fight all the day long, and he has oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all the day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in thee. In God, whose words I praise, and in God, I have put my trust, and I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? All the days long they distort my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited to take my life. But because of wickedness has cast them forth and anger put down those people, O God. Thou hast taken account of my wanderings. Put my tears in thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? Then my enemy will turn back in the day when I call. This I know that God is for me, and God whose words I praise, and in God whose word I praise, and God I have put my trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? The vows are binding upon me, O God, and I will render thank offering to thee, for thou hast delivered my soul from death, and indeed my feet from stumbling, so that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Who is it? Who is it that we offer our prayers of deliverance to? Who is it that we offer our prayers of thanks to? It's God. If it isn't who we're offering our prayers of deliverance and thanks to, we might ought to do a check, check and make sure that we're praying to the right God and not the God of wood, hay, and stubble. This world is full of idols, after all, and things that distort and manipulate the truth of God. And people are deceptive. Let us remember that. Cast our burdens upon Him. He is faithful. Look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Brother Wayne said it this morning. He said, people thought I was crazy coming out to Colorado 40, 44 years ago. He said, but I did it by faith. Two years ago, I did the same thing. I had people look at me and go, you're going where? I said to Colorado, why are you going there? To pastor. Isn't there a church here to pastor? There sure is, I'm sure. But this is where the Lord wanted me to go. So he told me to go, and I said, okay, I'm going to go. Because he led me here. Well, 
He said, he said, I don't want them. I want you. It's the same thing I thought. There's a ton of other people to choose from. Why, Lord, why'd you choose me? Because yeah. I wanted you. <laughs> Let's look at Mark chapter 9, verse 15. Actually, we'll start in verse 14 there. It says, And when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and some scribes arguing with them. And immediately when he, the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him saying, teacher, I brought my, you my son possessed with the spirit, which makes him mute. And whatever it seizes him, it dashes him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth and stiffens out. And I told your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do it. And he answered them, saying, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you, and how long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when he saw him immediately, the spirit threw him into convulsions, and falling to the ground, he began rolling about and foaming at the mouth. And he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it was often thrown him in the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father cried out and began, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Immediately the boy's father, or excuse me, I'm trying to read the verse again. Occasionally I get stuck. And when Jesus saw the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked them, the unclean spirit, saying, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out and throwing him into terrible convulsions, it came out. And the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him up, and he got up. And he said, Come into the house. His disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not cast him out? And he said, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Do you see the depiction of the account here? First of all, Jesus approached the crowd and asked them, what are you discussing? What are you arguing about? And they asked him, they told him, he says, well, we tried to cast this unclean spirit out of this boy and we couldn't do it. So I can only imagine what the scribes were fussing about right here <laughs> to the disciples. Of course, the somebody told him, the man told him out of the crowd what was going on. And what's Jesus' response there in verse 19? Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. Most of us have the thought sometimes when things occur in our lives that we can't handle it. But what did Jesus tell them here? There was no hope up into this verse. I mean, up, up into this point, there was no hope. They, they couldn't cast it out. And here comes Jesus. And the crowd ran to him. Here's the answer. <laughs> And then he rebuked him. <laughs> Why do you think he rebuked him for? Because they didn't believe. That's exactly what it says there. 
We are all capable of unbelief. If we don't think that, then there is something wrong. The purpose of us to be aware of that is to know that we can place our trust in God and he can fix those things which we are struggling with, no matter what the circumstance. But he requires something of us. What is that he requires of us? To believe, to trust that he's going to do it. Otherwise, like Peter, when he walked out on the water, he says, if you're the Lord, bid me to come to you. And what happened? He got overwhelmed by the waves, didn't he? His faith failed him in that moment, didn't he? Because he became overwhelmed with what was right there in front of him. He took his eyes off the Lord. Why do you think the scripture instructs us to keep our eyes intently fixed on the things above and not the things of the earth? Because they pass away. They have no lasting value. tells us to be wise in our use of these things and how we use them. But he also gives us principles and teachings and things that we are to apply to our lives that can strengthen us in our faith. He calls us to walk in a certain manner by faith so that others see this. The crowd saw that in him, else they wouldn't have moved to him, would they? He doesn't particularly tell us that there, but that's what I believe. And when he said this, he said the boy, he brought the boy to him and he saw him immediately and the spirit threw him into convulsions. Falling to the ground, he began rolling and foaming. And then he asked the father, how long has this been happening? From childhood. From childhood. We don't know how old the boy was, but we know he was old enough. Probably somewhere between... I call it the latter single digits, school age to teenage years, probably somewhere in between there. Don't think the age really matters, but he had been doing this all of his life. And what was Jesus' response to the dad? If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I will tell you, I do believe this translation does a very poor job of indicating what is required. People take believe with a one action. Believes, actually, and the King James Version gets it right. Believeth is what it says. T-H. One of my very loving brothers that was a pastor of mine for many years said, that word T-H signifies an ongoing, continual, present active action. Continuing to believe or believing continually. He says, if you can, all things are possible to him who believe. Continual, active, progressive action. Learning, growing, understanding. How do we do that? We submit to God through Christ by faith. Then he provides the growth beyond that, doesn't he, for willing. I might start preaching yet. Sorry, y'all. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25. 
He says, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life, so as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor what your body, uh, as to what you shall put on. Is it not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air and how they so, uh, do not sow, neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns, and yet your fa heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single cubit of his lifespan? Who can add to his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrayed the grass of the field as which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so do to you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? And for all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that which you need all these. Excuse me. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow is the cares for itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Who can cure those things which we struggle with? He can. Who can provide for us? He can. Who can feed us? He can. All that we have here, folks, is not ours to do with what as we please. All that we have here is given to him, given from him to us. For use, right? The instruction here he talks about, he talks, gives the example of the birds and how they don't reap, they don't sow, they don't gather into barns, but yet he provides food for them. Best example of that, and I can think of here, is the birds here in Colorado. We have a great and bountiful harvest most years. And the birds don't grow any of that themselves. They don't pick any of that themselves. Typically, they gather what falls off, don't they? Or they get what they can. And in the winter, same thing. Seeds and things that they can find or the things that have been stored, you know, things that are there they have access to. Worms, bugs, things like that. They don't provide any of that for themselves, but they go looking for it, don't they? Because they know it's there. They have that the faith know that the food's going to be there to take care of them. And if it's not there, they move on, don't they? <laughs> Folks, the same thing with us. We worry about our clothing. We worry about our homes. We worry about what's going on. Let's place our trust in the Lord. I'm guilty of the very self-same thing I'm talking about. That's why I'm preaching it. It's because it's, I need to hear it too. Folks, if by faith we follow the scriptural teachings, what he asks us to do, he provides for us. He tells us here, he says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe the lilies of the field and how, the field and how they grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Sure, the wind blows them. And sure, the rains come and the heat comes and drains them of their energy. But guess what? They still continue to stand there, don't they? 
Yeah, they may die, and they may, you know, they fulfill their purpose, and they die. But yet then, this next season, what happens? Something comes, it grows right back up, doesn't it? It says, and the flowers of the field weren't even, this is where, were clothed better than Solomon. And who provided that for him? The Lord did. He says, but if God so arrays the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Why do you think he was talking to the disciples, teaching there about these things? Because these are things that affect every single one of us. What is it that Ecclesiastes says? There's nothing new underneath under the sun. <coughs> nothing new to men. Paraphrasing again, of course, but, but yet the picture still remains. Let us seek to place our worries and our trust at His feet, and He will take care of those things. Let us pray that He can guide us and direct us, that He will provide for us. And let us give to him what is due him. The praise and the glory. Contributing to one another. As he has called us to. That's what the scripture indicates for us. And like he says there in verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. It's not the opposite way around. Seek all these other things in the kingdom and that will and his righteousness will be added unto you. It's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and those things will be added unto you. And then he gives the last bit of encouragement there. Therefore, do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The insurmountable things that we face each day, figuring out how to pay bills or what to do, or how to handle a certain situation, look to Him. He will give us the answers. We just need to ask Him for them. Because different situations, He asks them. He says, talks about the faith of a mustard seed and how it will grow and how it will do these things. It will accomplish these things. He just asks us to believe it to be so. Look at Matthew 21. Matthew 21 and verse 18. He says, Now in the morning when he returned to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, No longer shall there ever be any fruit for you from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered and said, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you shall not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if so, if you say to the mountain, Be taken up and cast in the sea, it shall have t- happened. And all these things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. What was the purpose? Jesus was demonstrating that he desired to find food, didn't he? He was looking for food. And he asked me, he says, told the fig tree to wither and it died. And they're like, wow, did it wither? (laughs) 
Lord said, I asked in faith and it happened, didn't it? That's basically what he was demonstrating there. It wasn't the fact that the fruit tree didn't have figs at the time. It was that it had nothing on it. And he wanted some food and he says he was demonstrating to them, I asked for it to be done and it was done because I believed that the Lord would do it, right? That's what he was demonstrating. He said, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not and do not doubt, you shall not only have what was done to the fig tree, but even if I say to the mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, it will happen. He says, in all things you ask in prayer, believe, and you shall receive. Does that mean we're going to get a Mercedes Benz if we ask for it? No. Does that mean that we're going to get a brand new house if we ask for it? No. What it means there, if we have faith and ask for the Lord to provide for us what we need when we need it, he will provide it. Because we ask by faith. We ask the Lord to deliver us from a situation. He will deliver us. We see that happen time and time again with Israel. We see them ask for deliverance from, from their uh, captivity. They were delivered. We see them ask for them to have peace. They had it, didn't they? They had a kingdom for a while, and they experienced peace and prosperity. They asked for it. But what did they also provide in return? Thanksgiving, didn't they? Praise, honor, glory, carrying out the service of the Lord. That's when they prospered, wasn't it? When they did not prosper is when they did not look to God for them to prosper, for them to do the things that God had called them to do, to be his people and to honor, worship, and glorify him and to offer sacrifice and to come before him with thanksgiving and praise. When they did not and they turned after other gods and other things and in pursuit of those things, what happened? He allowed them to be taken away by that, didn't they? For the intended purpose for them to recognize maybe it was a generation or several down the road that they would see that God was the one that provided all that they needed. He was the one, the God of their covenant that provided for them. Sometimes it didn't happen in that generation, did it? Sometimes it happened several generations later. <laughs> I think about the account over there in Nehemiah. Nehemiah, what did he do? He wept. He realized the state. He wept and he prayed. What did, what did the, the ruler there do for him? He says, he asked him why his countenance was so, why he was sad, wasn't it? And he says, because my land is grown up. There's no one to tend it. There's nothing there. That's the land of my forefathers. <laughs> what did the king tell him? Go. I'm going to give you my blessing to go and establish your temple and build it for the living God. What did the neighbors around him do when they were building it? They got mad, didn't they? Oh gosh, these stupid Israelites are coming back to build their temple and to, to worship their God and to do what they, what they want to do. King, don't you know they're trying to set up their own kingdom and get rid of you? That's what they did. They tried to cause trouble with the king. And they were still told what? Leave them alone. Leave them alone. Because the king understood who God was. He gave him the understanding to understand who his God was. Why do you think a lot of 
modern Christianity has been allowed to endure here for 200 and sometimes 300 years. Why do you think that it's failing in the way it is now? It's the, the time is, times are being fulfilled. Of course, according to scripture, we know this. But also the reason why it's failing is because why? Men are failing. <laughs> Placing their trust in the Lord and following after his teachings and his precepts he sit there and how they should honor and glorify his son. That's the purpose that the world is failing short in these days. That shouldn't give us the free pass to go ahead and give up our faith and just go, that's it. This is the time to double down. This is the time to dig in. This is the time for us to find the strength in our God that he asked of us to give him. The honor and glory that he deserves. This action, again with the tree here, demonstrated Christ's faith that God would provide what he needed to demonstrate to others what faith is required of us. That we just believe it. And we ask for it. <laughs> we ask for the increase of faith. We ask for it. What does it say? Scripture say he provides for it liberally. Without reserve. And he reminded the disciples that through prayer and believing, relying upon our Lord, that his provision is enough. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. And we'll come to a close. First Timothy chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the command of God and the Savior and of, Jesus, of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace and mercy and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia to remain at Ephesus in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to speculation rather than the furthering the administration of God which is by faith. But the goal of instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. For some men, straying from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters of which they make confident assertions. But we know that the law is good, and if one uses it lawfully, realizing the fact that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for those who are lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and the sinners, and the, for the unholy and profane, and for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers and immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he has considered me faithful putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and persecutor and violent aggressor and yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And grace of our Lord was more abundant with the faith and love of which are found in Christ Jesus. It is truly trustworthy statement, deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among I am foremost of all. 
And yet for this reason I found mercy in order that I might be as the foremost. Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example of those who would believe in him for eternal life. It's a long passage of scripture to read, isn't it? Paul's encouragement to Timothy here was for him to remain on at Ephesus so that other men might not be instructed in ways that are not doctrinally sound with the scripture that was provided. They were caught up in storytelling, where they came from, rather than devoting their time to the administration of God. Through faith, it says, doesn't it? It says, or excuse me, which is by faith. So doing the things that God has called us to do. He says, but the goal of our instruction, here's the best part, is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. He says, goes on, he warns them there. He says, for some men, straying from these things have turned aside to fruitless discussion. They went after these things, and it doesn't yield anything for them, does it? Because they're not exercising faith, are they? In the Lord. But that was Timothy's charge, was to stay there and to teach these things and to show them that by faith they're to attend to the things that the Lord had called them to do. But he goes on there and he says the law was made for those people that were unrighteous, right? And then he goes on and he thinks, he says, I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who has strengthened me because he has considered me faithful, putting me in his service. Brothers and sisters, we may be few in number and we may be small. But our God has given us the strength to continue in his service despite what circumstances we face. Despite what meager allowances we may have in this world, his provision never ceases as long as we rely upon him. And that's exactly what Brother Paul was trying to show Timothy there. He was a young minister in the Lord and he had grown quite a bit, but he told him, he said, I'm going to leave you here because I want you to teach these things. I want you to stay and I want you to help these brethren because there are people out there that have turned themselves over to these things. Brethren, together we can be strong if we lean on one another and lean upon the Lord. And that requires of us to have the faith in Him that He asks. And what did He say? Seek first His kingdom and his righteousness and all those other things will be added unto us. He talked about his yoke is easy and his burden is light for a very specific reason. It makes it easier to get through all the things that we face because we know this is not the stopping point. It's just the just the way station on the way. Well thank you for your kind attention this morning. Thank you for each one of you. We miss those that are not with us today and pray for them that they can come back with us the next time we meet. Not Anything else? Any questions or comments? Let's all stand to be dismissed and to bless our food for lunch. Brother Ed, would you dismiss us in word our prayer?
hear your word. Help us each one to apply these things to our lives. That our faith might be not in the things of this world, the riches of this world are passing away. Help us to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. For moth and rust does not corrupt or thieves break through and steal. But help us to understand that our faith in you is how we overcome in this life. It's as we put our trust in you and what you've done for us in overcoming our sin by the death of Jesus on the cross. Help us, Lord, to realize that our faith is to be in you alone and not in the things that we see of this world, the, the values of the world. Help us, Lord, to realize that these things are passing away, but your kingdom is where our treasure needs to be. Forgive us where we fail you. Help us to, to grow and to be strengthened in, in faith day by day, that we might have that assurance and strength and hope and that love, that we might love even those that are around us that treat us poorly, that look down on us, and don't see the value in serving God. Forgive us, Lord, where we fail you, and teach us that we might teach those about us your love and your strength and your power through faith. For we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. We ask, Lord, to be with us now. Bless the food that has been provided. We thank you for hands that have prepared. We thank you for the peace that we have to, to serve you, to be nourished, both physically and spiritually. Be with us now. Bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. Bless our bodies to your service. For we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
Some kind of virus. Yeah, this this was weird. I I don't know what it was. I didn't have any fever. Affects affects the muscles, doesn't it? Well, it affected the joints. The joints. The joints. Actually, in the joint, I the muscles didn't hurt, but the but the right in, inside the joints and in in the hip joints especially. Oh, this this right hip was. Really sore. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. Just any time I, I couldn't even well, roll over in bed without it. Oh, it was. Oh. I'm glad it, glad it's over. Yeah.